Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Dr. Luciana de Michaelis realised very early on in her physical therapy career that something wasn't quite right in the sports PT arena when she saw very few of her women colleagues progress through the ranks of general training to the specialist field of sports. Despite an overwhelming majority of women coming into the profession, Luciana saw very few women PTs working at the top level of sports, especially with elite or professional teams. She was determined to drive change. Dr. Di Michaelis led the Brazilian National Society of Sports Physical Therapy through dramatic change in gender representation on their executive board. In her current role as the president of the International Federation of Sports Physical Therapy, Luciana is committed to ensuring diverse and inclusive research, education and physical therapy practice. She joined me to share her experience and advice. Luciana Di Michaelis, thank you so much for joining JOSPT Insights. Thanks, Claire. It's an honor to be here with you. I appreciate the invitation. I'm so pleased to get the chance to speak with you today. And what a wonderful way to kick off 2022, hearing from you about your experiences as a sports physiotherapist. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about your role as president of the International Federation for Sports Physical Therapy Today we're talking about representation in physical therapy and sports physical therapy specifically, but I think a lot about a lot of what we're going to talk about today is relevant to all of the folks in our broad JOSPT community who are covering lots of different areas of musculoskeletal rehabilitation practice. And we're focusing specifically on women in sports physical therapy. Now, Luciana, you say that gender bias must be discussed in sports physical therapy because expertise does not depend on gender. And I think we could also talk about intersections between race, gender, disability. Really, expertise also doesn't depend on race, disability, sexuality, etc. But today we're talking specifically about an experience and a commitment that you and I both share about improving women's inclusion in sports physical therapy. So I'd like to start by having you paint us a picture of what sports physiotherapy or sports physical therapy in Brazil looked like before the 2016 Rio Olympics. So I have started to work on sports physio as a student. It was around the year 2000. Back that time, one thing that I, I, I easily see is that the physicians was like the only voice heard for any decision related to athletes' health. Of course, I'm talking about my experience in Brazil, in Minas Gerais State, in, in Belo Horizonte, that's my hometown. Basically, I, I can say that back that time, this happens all over Brazil. And of course, we have a big country with difference related to different regions. But this strong voice or only voice of the physicians was not because the sports physios didn't have like a good, didn't deliver good work. But maybe it was because also that our profession was a kind of immature at the time compared to medicine. So I think that time made good, good 
things happen in our profession. So, for example, uh, Sonafi was founded in 2003. Sonafi is the Brazilian National Society of Sports Physical Therapy. I think that works for any profession. For any profession to grow, you need like time, experience. You need also science, evidence. But also you need political organization. And I think that that was one piece that was missing in sports physics back at back that time. In 2014 and 15, uh, before the, the Olympic and Paralympic Games, Sonafi organized in partnership with our federal and local councils a specific course that happens around Brazil to help the volunteers to feel prepared or the to work uh, in the physical therapy services during the Olympic and Paralympic Games. These courses were free and was a course based on evidence. And maybe this helped us to work like, like as a, a team and deliver a really good service during the games. So one month before the games, Tonaf was approved as IFSPT member. IFSPT is International Federation of Sports Physical Therapy, as I said. And it was really impressive how, like, after the Rio 2016 Games, we increased so much the visibility of sports physical therapy here in Brazil and also the recognition among our peers, the physicians, psychologists, and others. For the first time, I'm just using this as an example, I heard from a physician. I was in a sports medicine conference in Belo Horizonte, my city. I was like a, a participating in the, the round table. I was a speaker there. And it, the topic was about the Rio 2016 Games. And for the first time in my life, I heard a physician saying that he envied the physical therapy. Like envy in a good way because he felt he worked also as a volunteer during the Olympics. And he felt that the physical therapy was better organized and working as a team, really team, compared to the, the medicine, for example. So I, I was like so happy to hear about this because traditionally we feel the like hierarchy. I think the English phrase is the poor cousin. Physiotherapy would feel like the yes. poor cousin to the <laughs> Yes, perfect, Claire. Thank you. So I can say uh, after these years and improving the quality of physical sports physical therapy services, now I can say that uh, the sports physio participating every decision related to athletes' health in a sports team. And our voice is now strong. That's really fantastic to hear. And, and I think the themes of multidisciplinary practice and in other parts of the world, you know, we, we often hear people talking about multidisciplinary practice and forgetting that for some, for some of our colleagues, it works really well. And for others of our colleagues, you know, multidisciplinary practice is, is a nice thing in theory, but it doesn't always work in practice. So having that recognition, as you say, is really important as a profession, um, but also for the athletes too. And I guess we're a bit biased in that we believe that physiotherapy and sports physical therapy especially has a lot to offer for athletes and patients. Yes, for sure. I have the same impression. 
The other aspect of this that really interests me is, and, and you've mentioned this to me before, is that women are really high proportion of the physiotherapy training programs. So at university level, high proportion of women, and that certainly reflects my experience in other parts of the world, certainly in Australia. I've seen that in Europe and in the US when we look at the data the numbers are that a lot of women come into physiotherapy or physical therapy programs. At sports physical therapy level, the gender balance seems to change. So what does it look like in Brazil this year? Yes, in Brazil, when I was a student, we had like basically in my class, for example, around 10%, 15% were men. But I graduated and I did a specialization course in sports, physical therapy, and orthopedics. And we had a proportion about, about 50-50. I'm a professor in a university, so the classes that I teach, the majority are women. And I also deliver, I teach in um, sports, physical therapy, specializations course. And I see this 50-50 still happening. So, uh, but when we start to think about the positions in the, the work positions in sports physical therapy, we see a majority of men working in sports team, specifically when we, we say about elite athletes. And it's so difficult to see a woman working there especially if we are dealing with male teams. So this is the reality here in Brazil. And of course, this is not fair because it's not about the lack of interest. Women are interested to work in sports, in sports physical therapy. They want to work, but the opportunity is not equal. Your point is really important that it's also not about expertise. So women are interested and they have the qualifications, so they have the merit, but for some reason they're not progressing through the ranks to these positions. So I can say that in the past few years, like three, two years, this is changing a bit, but it's only a slight change. It's not a big difference and I don't know how it works in Australia, in other countries, but here in Brazil, we have a lot of physios referring to colleagues, male colleagues, to get a position. It's really difficult to see a male sports physio referring to a female sports physio for a new position. So I feel that I was lucky because my first opportunity to work with elite athletes in a national level, it was the, I worked with the youth male team in the national uh, Brazilian team. I was referred by a male colleague. So I, I, I'm always like grateful for him because I know that he was like the question, you know, it, it, it was not a standard behavior back the time. Yeah. And that brings me to this point that um, listeners will have heard me say before, and I think it bears repeating that you can't be what you can't see. And we also we also know that when we make hiring decisions, people hire others who look like them. This is, again, why it's so important to have people who reflect 
the athletes that we're serving and who genuinely reflect our community and why it's critical to have women at all levels in organisations because we do make different decisions and there's also research suggesting that organisations with more inclusion, more diversity and more equity make better decisions. Yes, and I can understand that it's not, this is not easy. Maybe the first thing that we need to do to drive in the change that we are pursuing for is to recognize the problem. And a white male in this system basically don't have the problems that we women face the problem. And both of us, of course, we see ourselves as privileged. We are white women. Of course, we are a posi our position in this system is not like the worst situation that we, we can like use as example. But what, what helped me like a lot to recognize in this problem <laughs> is to exchange experience among my colleagues, my female colleagues, sports physiotherapists. So talk about this is important. So I start to listen, good friends of mine, and I will say their names here because they helped me a lot. Juliane Trevisan, Natalia Bittencourt, Giovanna Amaral, Etel Vieira, and my mom, Laura de Michelis. The second step that is start to talk with my male friends. So I first recognize the problem. I understand what I feel about this problem what actions I, want, I wanted to do, and I start to talk with my male friends. And of course, in the system that's male-dominant, we need their help to make this change happen. Uh, about this conversation that we, we need to have with our colleagues, friends, we need to make this talk without any judgment. And you've been driving these conversations and challenging all of us to have these conversations together in lots of different fora, Luciana. You've been talking about why it's so important to have representation at conferences, on journal articles, at the organisation level, at leadership and decision-making positions in professional organisations, whether that's at IFSPT, whether it's Sanafi, whether it's World Physiotherapy, all of these important organisations that represent our profession broadly. And you've had some great success, I think, getting us together and creating that safe, relatively safe environment for us to have these discussions, but also challenging us. Because I think it is easy to sort of sit back and say, oh, it's all too hard and I got here on my merit and why should I lose that opportunity I think the point is that we're all better together and we benefit from the strength in our diversity and we benefit when we include more diverse voices and that's that's the point here. I wonder whether you might talk a little bit about the success that you've had at Sunafi and at IFSPT in changing some of the culture and in changing some of the representation at that very top level of the organisation because you've served as president of both organisations and you, you're current president of IFSPT. I really make the start to make this strong statement about gender bias when I was president of SONAF because before that, uh, not because I wasn't so sure about what I believe, I was, I was sure about what I believed, but 
I didn't, I felt that I didn't have so much support, especially about my male colleagues. But when I, I was elected as president of Sonafi, I make a decision to uh, have my strongest fight. It was about gender bias. And of course, I, I, I didn't did anything by myself. It was a collective work. So we had a he for she campaign in Sonafi and we selected three uh, male associates to be in this campaign, showing his faces and his statements about what they feel about gender bias, what they feel about the female associates of Sonafi and how it's important to deliver more opportunities for female sports physical therapists. So I think this was like a turning point of this whole like process of changing uh, in Sonafi specifically about gender bias for all actions that Sonafi delivered, conferences, if have like some partnership in like delivering research, uh, it needs to have at least 30% of female, female participation. I know that 30, it's not 50, but we are like... That's three zero, 30%. Three zero, sorry. Right? Yeah, 30%. I know that this is not 50, <laughs> but it's like a, a small advance, you know, towards to the point that we wish that is equality. IFSPT, it's a little bit different because IFSPT ju just uh, made its 21st anniversary now in December 8th. And big congratulations to IFSPT. Yes. It's a wonderful achievement. <laughs> yes, I was so happy. And to be part of this, I'm really, really ha happy and excited. But in these 21 years, 17 were led by female presidents. So in IFSPT, it's a different perspective. So in IFSPT, we mainly are trying to um, do actions related to scientific conference, to have equality on uh, speakers. Our past conference was in Canada, in Vancouver. We almost had 50-50%, and it was a, a, a really huge action in effort of the organizing committee. And now going to have the fourth World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy in Niborg, Denmark. And we are going to have 50-50 male-female uh, speakers. Yeah, absolutely. And I congratulate the organising committee and the scientific committee for the, for the support for, for inclusion in the conference. And I want to recognise publicly your predecessor, Professor Christian Torborg, who has also really has has been really outspoken in supporting women and and particularly around the composition of conference organizing committees and scientific planning committees and then getting you know representation on on speakers uh, on speaker lists at conferences too so congratulations to all of at IFSPT and i think that brings us beautifully into hearing a little bit more about IFSPT in 2022, and you mentioned the conference. So what can we look forward to? What's exciting you about the future for IFSPT? Yes, so it was really uh, nice of you to mention the name of Christian. Uh, Christian is the head of the scientific committee of this conference, So, and he always supports the actions against uh, gender bias. Our conference is going to be delivered in August 
26th and 27th. A lot of amazing researchers talking about really different topics on sports physical therapy. And for the first time, we're going to have also uh, some sports activities during the Congress. If you look at the program, we are also planning this. So it's, it's really nice because we are in the sports area. So it makes sense to have this moment with our colleagues. Uh, and IFSPT is trying to increase the connection with our member organizations also. So we are like delivering networking sessions online, of course, because of the pandemic, and also encouraging our members to approve the pathways that are based on the sports physical therapy competencies. Because this process stimulates the training and international visibility, of course, of the, the members. Yes, it's always a challenge because we deal with different cultures. It's a, it's a good challenge. I, I'm not saying here that, oh, it's so difficult. No, it's, it's, I feel privileged to participate in this federation because I learn from different cultures, different uh, realities, contexts, and this makes us reflect and try to do the best to, of course, include everyone in the sports physical therapy scenario. We're all up for a good challenge, and this is a, a certainly a worthwhile challenge and, and an important challenge to get stronger together and better at including and learning from our diverse and wonderful community in sports physical therapy and beyond. Luciana, I think that's a great way for us to finish. Thank you for sharing what we can look forward to from IFSPT. Thank you for sharing your experiences and thank you for all of the support and the wonderful work you do, for, especially for women in sports physical therapy all over the world. Thank you very much, Claire, for this opportunity. Thank you for the OSPT audience for being here with us. And I hope we can engage more and more people against gender bias. So Luciana and I are back. We've got some quick announcements, important announcements about the IFSPT World Congress. Luciana. Yes, Claire. Just to put in your agendas, please. The registrations are open and the early bird is May 1st. So please be aware of these dates and I see you in board. See you there. listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at JOSPT and Facebook, where JOSPT official. Talk with you next time.